Hello, and welcome to Cover to Credits, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss books and their movie adaptations. I'm Ian George. And I'm Adina Hilton. In this episode, we'll be discussing Gone Girl. Gone Girl was written by Gillian Flynn and published in 2012. And the film adaptation was directed by David Fincher and was released in the amount of time it takes me to pull it up on my phone 2014. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yeah, and I believe it's Gillian Flynn. I've heard it pronounced that way. Yeah. My my idea is just to say Gillian, but I've heard other people say Gillian. Yeah, I think that one video you watched said Gillian, so I'll go with that, but I'll probably say Gillian (laughs) almost every time. (laughs) (laughs) So what's interesting is uh, Gillian Flynn wrote the screenplay for this. I know, and the more interesting thing is it's phenomenal. Yeah. It's so well written in terms of like the dialogue. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's kind of like a, uh, oh my, what Aaron Sorkin level of like witty banter in mm. a lot of ways, which he wrote Social Network. Oh yeah. And that's and a very bantery movie. Yeah. Yeah. He's known for his like banter back and forth, but like this movie felt like it could have been written by Sorkin in ways like mm-hmm. in terms of the, the scenes. So yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, the, uh, the rare occasion where the author got to successfully uh, adapt, their adapt own her work. own work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what's even more interesting is it's Valentine's it's Day. It's Valentine's Day. And we thought, <laughs> what better way to celebrate the the holiday of love than <laughs> the harshest of examinations of marriage and love? Yes. We were like, okay, so our episode comes out on Valentine's Day. Ooh, should we do like a romantic one or should we do an anti-love one? And then we were like, oh my God, we've been wanting to do Gone Girl. Let's do Gone Girl. I know. (laughs) (laughs) We just had to shift like two episodes and it was perfect. Yeah, yeah. So we are excited to present an anti-love story to you on this Valentine's Day. If you're not listening to it on Valentine's Day, then that's too bad. You can still experience this tragedy of romance with us. Um, yeah, also something else we have to mention is this book, I, I think was the real kickoff of the trend of naming books, uh, with girl in the title. Yes. If it wasn't this one, this at least like tipped the scale over. Like I think girl with the dragon tattoo started to, cause I mean, all those books were the girl with dragon tattoo, girl who played with fire girl. And then Gone Girl was so popular. Yeah. And then Girl on the Train mm-hmm. also came out, which was very popular. And now everything is girl. Girl this, girl that. Everything. <laughs> it's insane how yeah. many books you see with girl in the title. Yeah. Which is annoying because you don't want to see the same thing over and over again. I know. Like, do people see it and they're just like, the girl who's something something. <laughs> Who is she? <laughs> it just kind of has this like air of mystery, I think. And people are just like, who is that? Well, and like Gone Girl was such a cultural phenomenon, you know, that yeah. everyone wants to kind of like capitalize <laughs> on that shit. You know, they're like, oh, it's the next Gone Girl. It's yeah. the next Gone Girl. Everything is compared to Gone Girl. Every book. It's like if it's a suspenseful story at all and it involves a woman of any kind, it's yeah. like, ooh, it's the next Gone Girl. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I, I remember the um, Honest Movie trailers for this movie. Yeah. And it was so funny. It was like, based on the book that everyone's mom read at the beach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. The story of a, we need to tell a story of us reading it. Oh, yeah. You tell it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so um, Ian's mom read it. 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then she gave the book to Ian and was like, you need to read this. You'd like it. And so Ian read it. And then Ian liked it. And then he gave it to me. And then I read it. And then I gave the book to my sister. And then she read it. And (laughs) this is just the same book. Like, we're not going to get different copies. Like, we're just passing around the same book. And then my brother ended up reading that copy. Oh, my gosh. seven people (laughs) read that one copy of Gone Girl. We got so much use out of that copy. (laughs) (laughs) But that's, like, kind of how this book became so popular. People were like, oh, my gosh, you need to read this. Like, here it is. Let me hand it to you, you know. And, like, word of mouth is really big with this. Yeah, definitely. So it just it was such a huge cultural thing when it came out. So mm-hmm. what year was that? Did you say two thousand twelve? Okay, yeah, because the movie didn't take long for the movie to come out after. No. So yeah. <laughs> so um, the story um, is is interesting because it split up kind of evenly between uh, the story of Nick and the story of Amy, mm-hmm. our married couple in love question mark (laughs) (laughs) it's their five-year anniversary Mm -hmm. oh man which is how i always remember it's the wood anniversary yeah ian and i just had uh our fifth anniversary yeah i know (laughs) i was joking that this was gonna be the anniversary that i gone girled him (laughs) (laughs) that's become like a a continuing joke among us that adina's gonna gone girl me yeah using it as a verb and i love that (laughs) just you guys use it all the time now (laughs) i I told that though to um a co-worker recently because about the fifth uh, anniversary being the wood anniversary. Yeah. He's like, how do you know that? I'm like, oh, gone girl. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they're celebrating their fifth anniversary and it's the morning of, and this is the morning where Amy goes missing. And so you're hearing Nick's perspective of like, she's just gone. And you know, there's like this scene of a struggle in their house and he's not sure what's going on. And then interspersed are diary entries from, um, Amy's journal and so she's talking about she's going into the past when they're first meeting and they first start dating and they get married and etc. Yeah and I love that you get this um, perspective of their relationship of you know it's starting off so um, so hot what? Why? Oh, I, <laughs> oh I thought you meant like when the when the when Nick starts his perspective starts. Their oh, relationship no. is troubled. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When, when the present day, it's <laughs> yeah. really troubled. But in the diary entries, when we go back to when they first meet, it's real passionate. Like, they're totally into each other. They're two cool New Yorkers who are writers. And, mm-hmm. you know, they just click. And, um, you know, you know where it ends up to an extent, you know, that their relationship's troubled in the present day. And I love going down that rabbit hole of a really complicated kind of relationship that kind of falls apart and starts untangling. Yeah. And getting to see the beginning of it and mm-hmm. like what, what happened. Um, so besides the main characters, uh, Nick, who um, is the, is the main character, he's played by Ben Affleck in the movie. Yeah. yeah. And he, he's so perfect. He's perfect he as Nick. Mm-hmm. Cause he's kind of, you know, Ben Affleck kind of has a, a smarminess to him he does and and i think partly it's like just his face a yeah. little bit <laughs> uh, which is nick's problem in the book yeah. too he has like just this kind of face that looks like he's just smug and kind of this uh yeah yeah because doesn't he talk about how he has to really be self-conscious of like how he comes across to people because he knows yeah. like his face he is can kind look of, like a dick yeah yeah oh, and by the way everyone um I did not get through this book uh, mm-hmm. for this episode. Only now, I, I obviously I read it like 
uh, five years ago or however long ago that was now. Um, yeah. But I did not get to reread it. Uh, I was working on a project for the podcast, so it's excusable. <laughs> but uh, uh, so Adina is going to be more fresh on the book than I am for this episode. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, anyway, David Fincher uh, was just going through photos of actors. Mm-hmm. Like, and I guess that's how he casts people a really? lot of time. And he saw pictures of Ben Affleck and he said like he had this smile that he saw repeatedly on the red carpet. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's the look. Like, that's like the <laughs> smile, the kind of like... That's the shitty Nick smile. Yeah, and so yeah. that's kind of how he... And it was like a day later he was like cast and hired. I really like him in this role too because he does that so well. He's kind of unlikable in a lot of ways and he handles that well. Yeah, he he really kind of embraces that side of the Nick character, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rosamund Pike plays Amy. Yeah. And she's really good too. Um, and then there's the detective Boney, who's sort of investigating Amy's disappearance. Um, and then Go, short for Margot, yeah, uh, Nick's twin sister. Yeah, and the other cool thing is that um, those two characters of Boney and Margot are played by actresses who, um, for Margot, it was her first feature film debut. Wow, I read, mm-hmm. and uh, the te- detective Boney has had her, you know. Um, acting career was varied between TV and like small movies and stuff but they were both pretty they were really good low key mm-hmm. but they're excellent in this movie and Rosamund Pike wasn't huge no. when she was cast for this role this either this was a big role for her yeah so I love that this movie and I love David Fincher does that a lot where he casts people who aren't maybe as well known or not you wouldn't think of them immediately you know Neil Patrick Harris is in this and Tyler Perry yeah Um, but everyone's so well cast it's kind of I love that about David Fincher he's really smart with his casting Mm -hmm. and then there's Amy's parents who are like these psychologists who created this whole book series about her amazing Amy based on her life but basically it's like this picture book series about this girl that her life is perfect and she always makes the right choices and Amy is always comparing herself to this fictional version (laughs) of her and it's sort of twisted. I kind of like uh, that representation of like the expectations placed on not only women but young girls like as they're growing up Mm because she would say like oh yeah the year I quit cello uh, Amazing Amy became a prodigy in it and you know it was always kind of this comparison of like how her parents maybe wanted her to be, mm-hmm. which was interesting. And it's interesting, too, because she, I mean, everyone knows that Amy is crazy, right? Okay, we all know this. <laughs> She's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> We're saying it now. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but, like, what made her this way? You know, yeah. did her parents contribute to this twisted psychology of her having to pretend to be this thing that she never was? And kind of, like, this shedding of personas that Amy can just, like, kind of seamlessly go from... Uh, personality to personality. You know, something else that I'm, I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but That's fine. something that I thought of for the first time was with the character of uh, Neil Patrick Harris, who Desi, uh, Desi. Mm-hmm. So Desi's a, a boyfriend from her past from high school. Yeah. And apparently um, he tried to commit suicide after she broke up with him because he was so kind of crazy for her. Yeah. And he returns to her life in this story and you kind of see that controllingness come back. And I couldn't help but wonder, I'm like, did Desi somehow, I I don't think he could be totally responsible for how Amy became. Yeah. But do you think, like, maybe his behavior somehow impacted her and how she is in the present day? Yeah, I think so. And 
There is a line in the book where she says she never met anyone who loved her that didn't have a different agenda. Hmm. Like, it's towards the end, and she's talking about how she realizes that Nick did love her for who she was and kind of just wanted her to be happy in a lot of ways. And that was so foreign to her because everyone who was with her kind of was with her to try to get her to do something. Yeah. Because you know that... uh she uh amy has kind of uh screwed over other boyfriends in yeah. horrible ways in the past yeah uh but with desi i think his whole thing it wasn't a setup was it like he really did try to kill himself right when um in the book he didn't do oh, that really that was a lie oh okay yeah but he was heartbroken over her break gotcha yeah okay mm-hmm. that's interesting then yeah, Amy just told people that he did that because it sounded more dramatic. Oh, well, so then maybe she's always been a sociopath. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Probably that. In the movie, you can maybe interpret it the other way, but... <laughs> Amy is an open case. We do not understand her. <laughs> I mean, really, she's just seems like a sociopath. Like, that's almost like yeah. textbook. She kind of doesn't have much she empathy can't for anyone. She can consider other people. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. (laughs) interesting this has been armchair psychology with ian and adina (laughs) um so yeah stuff is happening in the story uh uh the treasure hunt oh yeah so uh amy for their fifth anniversary like every anniversary sets up this treasure hunt for nick with clues that go from one place to another and they're always there's this you know riddle poem hint for each one and it's tied to their past their inside jokes places they've been together and nick kind of describes it as like a way to test him to see if he like remembers enough stuff about amy or their like life yeah and she's kind of judging him like do you remember that one time that we did this thing together why why not why don't you remember (laughs) (laughs) what's wrong with you (laughs) you're the worst husband (laughs) (laughs) yeah so this is kind of like a, a really great setup for her disappearance yeah. and the detectives trying to solve, like, follow her footsteps before she disappeared because Nick has to, you know, solve the riddles. And, of course, we find out later that the riddles uh, where they lead him to are all places that he slept with the mistress that we discover he has. Andy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. We, we find out that. Uh, Nick is sleeping with a college student who he's his teacher. Yeah. It, honestly, you can't get much worse than that. <laughs> yeah. It's so bad. I remember first finding out about Andy in the book when I read it the first time and just being like, oh, my God, this fucker. Like, <laughs> I can't believe this guy. You know, he's married to this woman. And, yeah, things are on the rocks. But, like, he decides to start having sex with this student. Like, how shitty can you get? Like, honestly. Yeah. I, and I love uh, when his sister Go finds out. She's like, I thought writers hated cliches. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many great lines in this movie. Yeah. Like, my, then all the notes I took for the movie were just quotes, like one after the <laughs> other. I was like, oh, I love that line. I love that line. This one's so good. Oh, write that down. <laughs> Yeah, she kind of confronts Nick, and you find out that they've been together for, like, a year. So this has all been going on. And this whole picture is sort of coming together to 
look really bad for Nick. Yeah. Like, the police start investigating, and they're like, you know, how were things with your marriage? And he's like, things are fine. But then you start finding out, like, they were fighting, and they moved to Missouri when Nick's mom got sick. And because they used to live in New York and Amy didn't like, didn't want to move. And then they had money troubles and like all this stuff is coming out yeah. and it's making Nick look worse and worse. Like he might've had a reason to kill her. Yeah. And then you find out about the mistress and you're like, Oh my God, this is like a classic, like kills the wife so he can be with his mistress story. Yeah. Now something that, uh, I find different about the movie versus the book mm-hmm. is that the the book when I was reading it, you know, the parts with Nick are from his perspective. Yeah. You're in his head the whole time and you kind of know he's innocent. At least that's how I felt reading it. Yeah, it would be hard for him to be I mean they could have done it in the book. Yeah. I think but you're automatically on his side. Yeah, because you know, you know, he doesn't know what happened to her. And unless he was like an insane person who has multiple personalities and something like that happened, um, you know, I I never really suspected him. No. But watching the movie, I was thinking, I'm like, I think it's a lot more ambiguous Mm -hmm. because you're obviously you're not getting any internal monologue from Nick. You're only viewing him and his His behavior and his behavior and interactions with people. And I thought about, like, you could easily see the twist of him suddenly, like, yeah, I did kill her. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Because you have no kind of reassurance like you do in the book of his perspective specifically. Mm -hmm. So I I do think that's kind of a big difference between the book and the movie is that ambiguity about his innocence. Yeah. And Nick kind of has trouble uh, with his perception. Like, in the book, he talks about how he, he doesn't know how to act in these situations and he keeps like smiling for these cameras when they're doing like these publicity shoots when they're going on the news to talk about Amy and he just keeps making these mistakes and I think in the movie it does kind of cast suspicion on him a little bit because he's like he's too calm and like yeah he, he doesn't seem bothered that Amy's missing you know and it's like I love that angle of these of both versions of this story is that like public eye on him yeah and how you know even in this horrible crisis you know from the from the get-go he's kind of aware like people are gonna suspect me maybe yeah and he kind of has to behave a very specific way Mm -hmm. you know like when he's leaving the house when he's leaving go's house one morning and they're gonna go with a search party he was like i'm gonna shower she's like no you want to look like you stayed up all night yeah you know constantly having to think about his perception perception and Mm -hmm. you know he he can't look too clean because then he looks maybe too good yeah he can't look too insane though it's got to be that right balance this tightrope walk and there's this great line that uh tanner bolt played by tyler perry has when they're interviewing him on tv and he says they one of the the person interviewing him is like he looks so happy like why would he act this way if his wife disappeared and tanner says something like well he would have to be a sociopath to act like in the way that we expect like people deal with grief in different ways like in it's a shocking situation people don't know how to act yeah i thought that was like one of the most rational things anyone said <laughs> and you know tanner bolt is supposed to be this kind of like like shitty like 
defense attorney who will defend like uh the worst husband murderers yeah Yeah. but that was such a very logical thing you know yeah you'd have to be crazy to act totally normal yeah so Mm -hmm. yeah and so as the diary entries continue they kind of get more intense and you see like the problems in the relationship you know emerging they both lose their jobs in new york they're writers um for magazines and they the recession hits and they lose their jobs and then they move back to missouri because uh nick's mom gets sick uh gets cancer and then she dies yeah and then they're they're talking about having a baby but like nick doesn't want to and it's like this whole thing he just wants to go to outback steakhouse yeah (laughs) (laughs) and so like things are getting bad and then there's a scene in the diary where he kind of starts, he, he pushes her yeah. and it, it's like this intense scene. And she talks about like being scared and being afraid. Um, and so while the diary is getting like more and more intense and we're like, Oh my God, this sounds awful. Like Nick is the worst. You know, we already know that he's a cheater, but also he was like being so shitty to Amy. Like this is awful. Yeah. Like using her for sex and kind of just totally disregarding her and not wanting to be with her mm-hmm. except for having sex basically. And so we get this, like, diary narration, and it's woven in uh, to this kind of unfolding present-day plot. Yeah. Uh, But before this, we get a scene, and it's kind of the beginning of this great, amazing... Sequence. ...middle turning point of the movie. Oh, it's it's, so good. Oh, it's filmed so good. There's so many elements at play. (laughs) Um, But this initial scene is uh, the detectives come to Nick's house, Mm -hmm. and this is where... Uh, Boney, Detective Boney, kind of like thro- Lays throws it all out down on Nick. And well, because they just they just had a vigil for Amy. Oh yeah. And uh, Noelle Hawthorne, who's just this woman that lives near them, that is apparently friends with Amy. She kind of interrupts the whole vigil and is like, "Nick, your pregnant wife," and everyone's like, "Oh!" <laughs> <laughs> so she kind of drops this bombshell. And he tries to sneak out the back of a gazebo and like he's, <laughs> he's running. It's kind of funny in the movie. He's awkwardly like half running, like trying to be casual about it. And the reporters are chasing him (laughs) and then they find out um, the police come to his house and they're like we just got her medical records. She was pregnant. Yeah. And they they reveal that the the struggle in the house that they found was a clear setup. Like every, nothing was right about it. Mm -hmm. And they discovered that blood had been spilled in the kitchen and wiped up and then they finally reveal she was pregnant and Nick kind of explodes he throws down his glass and Mm -hmm. he's like i want a fucking lawyer yeah and it's such a great turning point for that scene and that uh for the movie and there's a great video uh by a youtube channel i think we've recommended before it's called lessons from the screenplay Mm -hmm. and he analyzes this scene among others in the movie uh specifically just highlighting gillian flynn's great writing yeah And what you can do in a scene and what you should be doing in every scene, kind of how like it should, the last line in a scene should be the point of the whole thing. And the last line in this scene is like, I need a lawyer. I'm not speaking to you again without my lawyer. And then it's like, oh shit. (laughs) (laughs) It's very good. The video is super good. Yeah. Definitely recommend it. Mm -hmm. So this begins the, the middle turning point. So Nick pulls out this most recent clue that he couldn't figure out and starts mm-hmm. writing down like different thoughts, trying to piece trying it to together, it. figure it out. And meanwhile, the detectives go into his father's home mm-hmm. and his father's in a nursing home and his home's like empty. 
and they caught they found him there one day. So they're suspicious. Yeah. And while they're searching, it's intercut with Nick solving this puzzle. And then intercut with that is the uh, diary entries, the voiceover from yeah. Amy, who's beginning to say how scared she is of Nick mm-hmm. and how frightened she is. Yeah. And then... And all the while, uh, there's this really great music. Yes. <laughs> and uh, if you know... Have you seen any uh, David Fincher movies? Recent ones, anyway. I think it started with The Social Network. He teams up with uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross for soundtracks. And not to uh, brag or anything, <laughs> but I did grow up in the hometown of Trent Reznor. That's true, Mercer PA. Mercer PA. That's where he came from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, his his scores are so great and mm-hmm. just kind of... Creepy. Uh, they so set the mood atmospheric. so well. Yeah. Yeah, and so you've kind of got this weird, screechy kind of um, audio-distorted effects going on mm-hmm. that kind of are building this tension... And this leads to the detectives discovering the diary yeah. uh, half burnt in the furnace. And then Nick discovers uh, the clue leads to the, his sister's woodshed yeah, where he finds all of the purchases that were made on his credit card that mm-hmm. he didn't know about. Yeah. And this is the big twist, the big reveal where Amy's alive. Yeah. And it's like the clue led him to the woodshed to show him all the shit that she's going to pin on him, basically. Yeah. Oh, my. I j- oh, that just, whole scene is amazing. It gives me goosebumps. It's such a great. And, and this is where David Fincher is just unrivaled, I think, in yeah. filmmaking. Like his editing, his cinematography, uh, you know, Trent Reznor's score over top of it all. Mm-hmm. He's so good at intercutting these types of stories um, like the social network that jumps back and forth at t- in time from mm-hmm. different perspectives and locations and not only makes it make sense, but really gives it energy and interest. Yeah, because all the while, you know, there's what's going on with Nick. The detectives are finding stuff. There's the Amy's voiceover, and it's just like it builds to this really climactic scene, and it's so exciting. And then right after that, we get the switch, which... I don't know how many of you have actually read Gone Girl. Maybe you've just heard about it or only watched the movie. But when you're reading this, I honestly, like, you cannot explain or, like, fully recapture that feeling. Like, when you're reading and it's so crazy and he goes to the woodshed and then it's the next section of the book. And the first line is just, I'm so much happier now that I'm dead. (laughs) (laughs) And it's Amy. And you find out she's alive and you find out that she fucking planned the whole thing. She did it. And you're, it, my mind was blown, literally. And people, like, I feel like since it's been, like, five years since Gone Girl came out, Gone Girl has kind of become a trope, you know, like yeah. the twist. Yeah. But it was so fresh and exciting when it came out. And I loved it, reading it when it came out. And it's so, I love the following sequence in the movie where you just kind of find out how she did everything. Yeah, and she explains it. Yeah. yeah. And it's so, you get this great, and I love it because you get the um, the voiceover from uh, Rosamund Pike, mm-hmm. but now she's so much like more sinister and sly yeah. and kind of like, um, uh, I don't know, just... Cold. Conniving and cold. Clever. Yeah. She's smart. And that's what I love. I love how smart and driven 
and intense she is. Yeah. You get this in, in both the book and in the movie in this part. She just is revealing to you how she did everything. You know, she's talking about how she uh, cut herself and got a lot of blood out. And then she, like, wiped it up, how she staged the crime scene. She talks about over over a year planning this whole thing mm-hmm. and laying the groundwork and getting um, these credit cards in Nick's name and then like having him sign this paperwork to bump up her life insurance and yeah uh, and her voiceover is so funny too like this woman who was her quote unquote best friend Noel Noel who like knew about the shitty marriage and the pregnancy yeah and she's backtracking and explaining everything she's like step one Befriend local idiot. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. (laughs) And she actually uses, because Noelle is pregnant, and she uses Noelle's urine. She literally, like, catches her urine in the toilet. And that's how she gets the medical record to show that she's pregnant. And it's all for the sake of just getting, like, America, like... To love her. To love her, because she's, like... America loves a pregnant woman as if it's so easy to so spread hard. your legs. Yeah, as if it's so hard to spread your legs. <laughs> she's just so kind of like I know, bitter. and it, she's just creating this persona and the diary entries, she fabricated them all. Mm-hmm. Like she talks about, she starts at the beginning and those parts are true, but then she slowly builds this case against Nick where he's abusive and he he hates her and he resents her and there's trouble in their marriage and she she's afraid for her life you know it's this whole story and there's another great line where she's like and Nick thinks that he's the writer you know <laughs> I, I love the scenes of her um sitting around her house writing the diary entries yeah because she's writing them almost like someone would read like a novel like someone would read Gone Girl you know just like you know, oh, out of the shower, just, you know, she's kind of just writing as she is there's inspired. Even, yeah, there's even this part where she's writing in bed, and, and you can tell she's writing the part where she's scared. Yes. She's, like, kind of crouching down and, like, looking scared as she's <laughs> writing it. She's, like, getting in the zone. Yeah. <laughs> and also, she's writing different parts, and I really like this visual for the movie, because mm-hmm. they show parts where she, like, her hand writing. Yeah. And you notice the pen changes frequently, mm-hmm. especially, like, when she's pregnant, or, you know, supposedly pregnant. She's writing with, like, a stork pen. Yeah. And that's just kind of like part of her getting in character almost. Because yeah. later you see her discarding all those pens. And mm-hmm. you realize she just had them for probably just to change the look of the pen and yeah. everything for the entries. But also probably like an internal getting in character kind of thing. Yeah. There's so many great details. It's crazy. This is also a really great part because it has the best um, kind of rant monologue that I love. And I mm. call it the cool girl rant. Yeah, yeah. Where she talks about how all guys want to be with a cool girl. They're like, the cool girl is fun. Cool girl is up for anything. Cool girl likes what he likes. Cool girl will, like, do sex like whatever he wants. Cool girl will, like, give him blowjobs, you know. she yeah. She's just, like, she'll eat beer and or drink beer and <laughs> eat pizza, but she's still, like, super thin because she has to be sexy. You know, like, this yeah. ideal that is kind of promoted about women that they have to be a certain way. And I really loved this. Uh, I still do. I really loved it when I first read it because I was like, honestly, there's a lot of truth in this. Yeah. And she was saying too, like cool girl can change depending on the guy, but it's just this vision of what girls have to be. Um, And she was saying that she was 
doing the cool girl with Nick yeah. and that she wanted to try to please him and she, that she it, never tried to be naggy no you know because cool girl cool girls aren't naggy or mm-hmm. you know possessive and you know how kind of women in order to you know be most appealing to men just have to become reflections of them yeah and just embrace everything, everything they're interested they like. in I love what did she say because she was trying to appeal to Nick that she drank um Budweiser and watched Adam Sandler movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like fall, doing the same things that he does and liking the things that he does. And I just loved that part. And it kind of about how when people first start dating or when they're trying to impress each other, that you kind of put on this persona, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe you don't do it on purpose. You just want someone to like you. And so you end up creating this version of yourself that's not quite real. But she, And she also talks, though, about changing Nick. Yeah. Because she talks about she, she sculpted the man of her dreams. Yeah. She kind of, like, reshaped him to, like, aim higher. To and, rise to her level. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of also about not only, like, adapting to reflect your partner but also trying to change them yeah and so it's kind of this i I love it because it's it seems very sick and toxic yeah but it's so accurate in ways in ways yes you know you you are different around different people even Mm -hmm. your partner you know what i mean and it's different versions of yourself kind of rise to the surface and yeah different parts of your personality might develop because you're with one person rather Mm -hmm. than if you were with someone else. And especially early on in a relationship, you do try to be open to like, oh, you like this thing. Like, let me watch it. Like, Mm -hmm. let's, you know, get some more things in common. And and then naturally, as it gets older, the relationship, not that that falls away, but it does to an extent. You're not as eager to please them. Yeah. And so you might be like, no, I don't want to go to that football game or no I don't want to go see that movie with you or you know I don't care about that thing Mm -hmm. so yeah and you know Amy talks about how you know she did so much to adapt to Nick and to shape him and then she discovers his affair with Andy yeah and she talked about how he had found a bouncier cooler cool girl yeah (laughs) and she was like if he thought he was what how how did she phrase it if he thinks he could do this to me and get away with it and end up happier than ever. <laughs> yeah, fucking no fucking way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so because of this, she finds out about like the infidelity and because Nick stops being a, a better version of himself, he kind of becomes lazy and stops trying to please Amy. She decides that she's going to frame him for her murder. <laughs> for murder. Oh, so funny, fun fact about this movie. There were scenes when I was watching it you know, when in a diary entry, when she talks about Nick becoming like kind of more lazy sitting around the house, I'm yeah. like, he definitely has more of a gut, it looks like, you know, yeah. I, and I read that apparently he was beefing up at this point to play Batman oh. in Batman v Superman. And he was in the middle of that process of like, so he actually does change sometimes you know, from moment to moment. I thought that too. I was like, does he kind of look... Like, he has a gut in this scene, but yeah. then, like, later on, I didn't notice it mm-hmm. at all, like, in the shower scene. Like, yeah, yeah, suddenly, like, no, he's he's very ripped again. Yeah, I'm like, what's happening here? <laughs> yeah, he was, he was getting in shape for Batman v Superman, I That's guess. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> getting in that, uh, oh, what do they call it? 
that exercise regimen where you just like flip tires and like whip chains around. And, oh like, yeah. What um the Mr. Incredible workout. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's what they I just call picture it. him like in the rail yard, like pulling yes. those like trains. Oh my god, Mr. Incredible invented that. Yeah. He, he's the founder of those gyms that I can't think of. I'll just, I don't know. I'll insert it in post. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, we so Amy ends up at this kind of like campground after she's changed her hair, covered her tracks. Yeah. Uh, she has like money and escape car. She's all prepared and she's kind of just hiding out at this campground. Yeah. And just there's w- like cabins and stuff. Yeah. And just kind of watching this story unfold in the media. She just wants to see Nick go down. Basically, she's just, she's just like watching TV and is like, good, good. Mm, yes. <laughs> but what's crazy about this is that for a while she actually plans to kill herself. Oh, so yeah. she is like, once I know that Nick is like arrested and stuff, I'll just go down to the Gulf of Mexico and put some rocks in my pockets, take some sleeping pills and just jump in the river. And you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and she eventually decides not to do that because I think she is just so angry that she doesn't want to kill herself over this or maybe she realizes that I I don't want to die I don't know but at one point she was like literally like I'm gonna this is how far I'll go to like (laughs) fuck Nick over I love in the movie she has a calendar with all her plan marked out and then one date with a post-it note just has kill self (laughs) maybe today I don't know maybe today I don't know it's a post-it I can move it (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's wild but so she's kind of hanging out there and living this sort of like poor white trash Life while she waits to see what's going on with Nick. Which brings me to an interesting point, um, kind of about the setup in Missouri and, like, the time of this. Um, So they talk about how they both lose their jobs during the recession. Yeah, and I love the, just the visual depiction in the movie of... You know, I, I from the bit I read again, you know, when they move, they move into a house in a neighborhood that was kind of built before the um, housing bubble collapsed. Yeah. So there's all these pretty nice homes that were like kind of all abandoned pretty much. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of an eeriness to that. And then I love in the movie, you know, when they're kind of showing shots of this rural Missouri area. Yeah. I remember in one transition between days, they show a shot of a Walmart mm-hmm. and they show a shot of a KFC. Yeah. And I'm like. God, that really does kind of depict, like, you know, that middle class rural area is like chain restaurants and yeah. chains because mm-hmm. that's like all there is a lot of times are chains. And I'm like, that kind of captures that feeling a lot. Yeah. And even in Amy's diary entries, which are supposed to be an ideal version of herself, she can't help but like criticize the Midwest, you know, like yeah. she's from New York and she's always like, oh, these Midwest people who want to like here's a recipe for a casserole <laughs> that all you need is a can of soup and some chips. Like, yeah. <laughs> and you know, she's sort of making fun of them and just this way of life. But you can really tell, especially in the book, I think they really focus on, um, this town that they live in Carthage, Missouri is really like going through a tough time. They talk about like the mall that employed like one third of the, 
um, town has closed up and now it's just abandoned and a bunch of like drug addicts just like hole up there, which is really creepy. There is a shot of it, a scene in the movie. Oh, I love that scene. It's Mm -hmm. so atmospheric and creepy and yeah, it's great. But there's like, you know, homeless people. There's even a scene in the book where um, Amy... It's one of Amy's diary entries, and she's hanging out with Nick's mom, and she goes with Nick's mom and Nick's mom's friends to donate plasma because they get money from it. Oh, my God. And it's these old ladies that are, like, 60 that are just going to the hospital like or this clinic every week to donate their plasma so they can get some cash. Holy and shit. And it's just – it's so depressing, you know? Yeah. And they talk about this a lot, like, these people not doing well and kind of – this environment of just recession and uh, poverty. Yeah, yeah, it's such a, I don't know, it, it kind of adds to the um, shitty situation that they're in. Yeah. You know, on top of having to move to Missouri, like they've lost their jobs and mm-hmm. just everything, like the world itself is crumbling around them. So it's kind of an interesting time and place for this story to be. Yeah. Um, what else is happening? Nick gets Tanner Bolt as his lawyer. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry. He's so good in this. He's really funny. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, their mission is basically to try to make list Nick look less shitty in the media. <laughs> and we already talked about this a little bit, but, like, once again, that hitting home that point about media perception and mm-hmm. how, you know, there's, I think, a line in the book where they say, you know, People already know these high profile cases by the time it goes to court. You know, when it goes to trial, like you can try, you can move it to another county, you can move, you know, get a new jury, but everyone's already seen the coverage. They already have this idea in their mind. And that yeah. can really affect whether you're found guilty or not. So they have to try to turn Nick's image around. Yeah. And then with Amy's story, there's this great part that you know, seems like a subplot kind of thing, but it's really interesting where uh, Amy kind of befriends this other woman who's at this cabin area named Greta, Mm -hmm. and she is a guy who she hangs out with named Jeff? Yeah. (laughs) With two question marks? (laughs) And she hangs out with them. they're white trash. Yeah, they're kind of white trash, and she hangs out with them and stuff. And I love this part, though, because... Greta definitely is smarter than she seems. Amy gives her credit for, mm-hmm. and she picks up on little things. You know, uh, Amy claims to be from New Orleans, yeah, and she mentions one. You know, she wanted to go into the Gulf and drown herself and be eaten by the Great Whites, yeah. And Greta's like, mm, I don't think there's Great Whites in the Gulf of Mexico. I thought you said you're from New Orleans, yeah, like that kind of like just mm-hmm. very subtly though, and basically Greta. And then discovers she has a lot of money. And so her and Jeff rob Amy. Mm -hmm. And in the scene, you know, Amy threatens, I'm going to go to the police. And she was like, your glasses are fake. You know, your hair is dyed. You know, you're speaking with this shitty accent. I don't know why you're hiding out here, but you're not going to call the cops because you're hiding from everyone right now. So, and, And it was great because Amy could prepare for everything with the people she knew but when she encountered these people who she didn't know and she couldn't really schmooze and, like, win over, yeah, she totally underestimated them and got totally screwed because of it. Two people that she couldn't manipulate. Yeah. And I love it because 
Amy is almost like a god in a lot of ways in this story. You know, she plays everyone so well and she gets her way and she's conniving and clever and she just gets it done. But in this scene, you just see her totally get screwed over and all of her carefully laid plans have just gone to shit in an instant. And it's like, it's sort of a reminder that she is only human. You know, this can happen. And these two people who seem like stupid and poor and dumb and not cultured and not up to Amy's level have actually had to like survive a lot longer than Amy has on her own. And so they're much more resourceful than she thinks they are. And so they end up like stealing all her money. So in desperation, she calls Desi, the creepy high school boyfriend. Neil He's Patrick like, Harris. Neil Patrick Harris, who's once again great, once mm-hmm. again a totally out-of-nowhere casting choice that was so perfect. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you can stay at my lake house because I'm like a millionaire? I don't know how. He's he's rich or something. <laughs> he's also really weird and creepy. Like. Yeah, and he's very controlling of her. You mm-hmm. know, she she looks way different now. She's gained some weight. Her hair's dyed weird. And he was like, we'll get you better clothes. We'll get you fit again. The sooner you look like yourself, the better you'll feel. Mm-hmm. And immediately, I think Amy's like, fuck. Like, yeah. I'm kind of back in a shitty situation. And especially in the book, like, when I was reading it, because she calls him basically because she has nowhere else to turn. You know, she has no money. She has to stay off the grid because she's supposed to be dead. Who can she really call? So she calls him and is sort of like... Yeah, we we dated before and, you know, we had this relationship and I could kind of control him. But then she quickly realizes that he is more in control than she is. And he kind of locks her up almost in this lake house. Like she can't really get out. There's like a fence. There's like a gate. It's like this whole thing. He's, He's holding all the cards in this situation. Yeah. So Amy concocts a new plan. Mm hmm. But. (laughs) So I was going to say, it's because of an interview she sees. Yeah, 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 the interview. The interview Nick does on national television, uh, which is such a great scene. It is. Uh, Basically, Nick's plan, he, 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 you know, he's going to do this interview because uh, Tanner Bolt tells him, you need to get America back on your side. You need to talk to them. And he kind of realizes, he's like, or I just need to talk to one person. Like, Mm -hmm. if I can just reach Amy. So he gets in this interview and... Suddenly he is, you know, this super sympathetic guy. He talks about how badly he's fucked up. Mm -hmm. He, you know, betrayed his marriage. He betrayed his wife. You know, he didn't kill her, but he wasn't a good husband. Yeah. And he's so sorry about it. Mm -hmm. And there's this thing added in the movie that I'm almost 100% sure isn't in the book. It's him putting his fingers on his chin yeah it's just briefly mentioned in the book but it's not as much of a thing yeah and essentially it comes up when they first meet because she says he has a villainous chin yeah and she can't believe anything he (laughs) says so he does this thing and it becomes like an inside joke for them kind of where he'll cover his chin when he says something yeah to kind of be like no bullshit no bullshit and he does this very subtly on tv and I love in the movie she's watching this like in awe yeah. that he is suddenly this like I, I don't know he's putting on this like amazing performance basically yeah. yeah and she is like basically like that's the man that I married yeah you know he's putting work into it you know and I love the gesture though of the fingers on the chin because mm-hmm. basically they're on the same like brainwave now of like 
we're not who we thought each other was. We've kind of been lying to each other from the start. Yeah. And him doing that is almost like saying it's always been bullshit. Like, yeah, you know, it's it, supposed to mean no bullshit, but this really is all bullshit. Yeah. And at, like we both know it at this point, you know, we know what this is. Mm-hmm. And I, I just loved that. Yeah. Yeah, so Amy decides that she's going to try to go back to Nick. <laughs> this is so this is so great. <laughs> and I love it because in the book too she talks about kind of realizing how much Desi annoys the shit out of her. <laughs> She's like, he his kisses are like fish nibbles, he like it's like a fish nibbling on your face. <laughs> and she's just really like annoyed about it and has to pretend like she likes him. I love, I love her fake like interest in him in the movie. Yeah, where he's like, aren't you bored up here by yourself? She's like, how could I be bored with your company? You can discuss sixteenth century artwork and like. Yeah. Talk about symphonies for an hour. <laughs> it's so funny. It's great because she kind of like starts to re- like realize that Nick wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I mean, Nick did cheat on me, but also like he wasn't he didn't like follow me around everywhere. And he he was just like, let me do my own thing. Yeah. <laughs> so she's like. So I have to kill Desi. <laughs> She's like, oh Desi is annoying God. the shit out of me. I think I'll just kill him. <laughs> it's time to just take this thing to 11. Yes. I'm already there. So We're there. <laughs> she lures him into a night of romantics. Uh, this has one of my favorite lines where she's talking about after the trial, they should get away to like Italy, I think. Greece. To Greece. And he's like, octopus and scrabble (laughs) (laughs) poor fucker (laughs) poor poor desi he has no idea what's about to happen and these scenes play out a little differently and by little i mean very differently in the book and the movie really i totally forget yeah so in the book um she kind of seduces him they have sex and then afterwards she makes him a martini and drugs his martini oh and then... And then kills him. Oh, and then kills him. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And uh, mo- things play out differently in the movie. <laughs> I, I love... So, this movie was rated R for... what? How did they put it? Like, one scene of violence or yeah, something like that. graphic violence. But I was like, it might as well have been rated R for that one scene. You know what scene we're talking about. <laughs> and it's this scene. Yeah. While poor, I keep saying this, poor Desi, they're having sex. The music. The music. And right, right when he's, right when he's finishing, (laughs) she pulls a box cutter from under her pillow and slashes his throat. Yeah. Oh, blood is just gushing. She kind of rolls him over and gets on top of him and the blood is just covering her she's soaked like perfectly from the neck down yeah it's so funny she is like almost done on her face and from the neck down she is red yeah and the yeah that music (laughs) yeah (laughs) and it kind of like fades in and out of black as she like wrestles him over yeah and just lets him bleed Bleed to death bleed to death (gasps) (laughs) it's rough it's real it's real bad (laughs) and then it goes to a scene of amy driving a car to (laughs) nick's house their house and she just gets out and she's still covered in blood and she like runs up to him and she's like nick 
sick. And I love and how dramatic the, it is. The press is outside because they're like always outside for Nick now because of the news story. And it's just like this crazy moment. And even the movie camp, like the way the, the movie camera turns into this crane shot that like goes yeah. overhead into this very dramatic moment, you know, that's like played up for the cameras. And oh, even the movie camera is played up for. And I love it. Yeah. Um, so she gets taken to the police station. They do a bunch of like tests on her and get the evidence. And this is what Amy's story is. So apparently Desi came to the house on their anniversary and they had a struggle. That's where all the blood came from. And then he kidnaps her, takes her to his lake house, ties her to a bed and rapes her and like continuously rapes her. And then she has to kill him in order to escape. And she has given herself uh, wounds that are consistent with rape. Yeah. Uh, they show her doing this with a wine bottle earlier in the movie and, you know, ligature marks on her wrists. She With twine. With twine. Mm-hmm. I mean, she just plans out everything. She even acts for the camera, the security cameras that are yeah. in his house. I mean, she's she's insane. There's she's a part so crazy. two in the book where she she says that he throws her in his trunk when he first kidnaps her, and they like look in his trunk, and there's like hairs of hers in there that she like placed. <laughs> I love how meticulous she yeah, is. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. just like I'm gonna get this done. And, and and I love it though because because she did have to pivot so yeah. much. You know, there are kind of holes in her story and things that are a little suspicious. That don't add up. You know, like her placing the final um, anniversary gift in this woodshed that also had all of this... Incriminating evidence. Incriminating evidence in it. And um, they they ask her, or Detective Boney's kind of questioning her. She's like, didn't you notice all that stuff in the, yeah. in the shed? And she says, oh, I know, you know, Nick buys on the credit card and I nag and... We have we have problems and, you know, it's kind of a bullshit explanation and Boney keeps trying to press her on it. But, you know, I love at this point, you know, she's back and they have a victim, a person to blame Mm -hmm. in the form of Desi. And nobody wants to probe. Nobody wants to question anything. Yeah. And it's great, too, because, you know, Amy's basically like kind of calls them on their shit and she's like you mishandled this case from the beginning and you were set to convict Nick and he was innocent and like you are all incompetent and so she's sort of throwing it in their faces and they have to defend so she you know they can't even like question her because everything she's saying is just reminding them how awful they were and then they're under a lot of pressure from like the FBI and the feds mm-hmm. and so it's this whole thing so everyone's like more than willing to, to kind let of it just go you know, wipe their hands of it and, mm-hmm. you know, finish finish the deal. Yeah. Uh, there's a f- fantastic scene in the movie. I don't know how it is compared to the book where once they're home from the hospital, mm-hmm. uh, they Nick's trying to talk to her about, you know, what He's the like, hell happened. He's like, you need to tell me what happened. You killed a person. And she's like, strip naked. I need to know you're not wearing a wire. <laughs> and they go into the shower together so they can talk. Yeah. Oh, what a great, it like, it plays so well into the story. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's ridiculous that they wouldn't have washed her in the hospital covered in her rapist's blood. <laughs> you know, like yeah. they wouldn't have been like, do you want to wash? Do you up? want a shower? <laughs> but um, she's washing this blood of her and they're naked in front of each other like they're finally like being intimate being intimate revealing their deepest secrets to each other yeah and and they're they're no bullshitting for the first time probably ever like completely yeah and 
It's oh, really intense it's and amazing. And Amy is basically like, you begged for me to come back and I came back and now we're going to be together. And Nick is like, are you crazy? You you're, killed someone. You're insane. Yeah. Also, you see the tip of Ben Affleck's dick. Yes, you see it. <laughs> you can catch it. <laughs> Just the tip. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but she she tells him everything, you know, what, uh, how she like planned it all out and everything. And it, it's wild to him because she is like, yeah, now we're like going to be together again. Like I came back to save you and now like we're, we're, we'll be married again. Yeah. <laughs> and he and he can't do anything immediately. She's like the the public will eat you alive if you leave me right now. Like yeah. you're you're in this. And he tries talking to Detective Boney and she's like we're out of options and Tanner Bolt is basically like I'm leaving. Like yeah. and I Tyler Perry is so funny in this role cuz there's a scene where Ben Affleck is explaining how she confessed, but she made him strip naked and everything. <laughs> and he's Tanner Bolt's laughing. He's like, "I swear, you two are the most most fucked up people I've ever met." <laughs> you deserve. He's each like, other. "You're perfect for each other." Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, and this is like a really interesting finale or third act or final act yeah. for the movie and the book because you know it's almost like this climax with Amy coming back, but then things sort of just wind down mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, some time passes, you know, it's like a month, two months. And Ben, Ben Affleck, Nick's Nick is like, you know, I, I still don't want to be with you, but I'm just going to wait till the press dies down. And then like, I, I'll leave you, you know, I'll try to like catch you on something. I want you to go, like, I want you to go to jail, but like, it just is not happening. She's yeah. too smart. And she's very committed now to making this relationship work. Yeah. She's like, you know, it's, you know, you just have to play along, play your part. And she tells him, she's like, I need you to confess to buying that stuff on the credit card. Mm-hmm. Like, I need that from you. Uh, and, you know, playing your part, that's yeah. what she wants. That's what she needs. Mm-hmm. And and I, I just, this has kind of been her philosophy on relationships from the beginning. Yeah. Except she's just being upfront about it now. And she talks, too, about, like, unconditional love. And mm-hmm. how she thinks it's bullshit. Oh, yeah. You know, she's like, I'm supposed to love you no matter what, despite your faults. Like, I didn't sign up for that. I'm not going to love you if you don't have, like, what I want, basically. Yeah. I, she, <laughs> she's like, he expected me to love him unconditionally. <laughs> and so she's kind of, like, challenging Nick. And she's like, when we first met and we were first together, when we were pretending to be other people, that's when we were the best. That's when we were the happiest. That's when you liked yourself the best is when you were pretending to be this person. Yeah. And I challenged you to be the best, best version of yourself. And I need you to be that all the time. Or I could possibly frame you for murder again. Who knows? The, yeah. <laughs> uh, the greatest reveal though, in this part is she's pregnant. Yeah. And He's he's like, what? No, I we didn't even have sex. Like, yeah. how is this? It's not mine. Like, that's not possible. And there is it was set up so well where, you know, he had uh, donated sperm to a fertility clinic uh, for them to like freeze. Yeah. And he thought they disposed of it because yeah. he got like a notice that they were going to. And Amy threw the note in the trash. So he thought it was gone. And she reveals like, no, I. I, I kept it. And, and now, I went to the fertility clinic and now I'm pregnant. <laughs> and now I'm pregnant and you're never leaving me. And and that's basically it. I mean, Nick is like, I can't leave her. 
I can't let her, you know, take this child away from me. And like, he knows, and she says it too in the book, like that he would never be able to see this child. Like she would destroy him if he left her. Like, you know, he would never get custody. He would never be able to see this child and he just can't bring himself to do that. Uh, and, and just that he finally like grabs her and throws her into the wall. Yeah. Uh, and in know. the book, he, he like puts his hands around her neck and starts choking her for mm-hmm. a little bit. And th- it's great because in the, in the movie, she has this line where he, he, he calls her a cunt. And she's like, I'm the cunt you married. Yeah. And, and she was, she says, I killed for you. Who else could say that? Yeah. She's like, you think you could be happy with some normal Missouri girl? No way, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 oh my God, just. The lines. And it's kind of, I know the, the dialogue is just, uh, so good. It's mm-hmm. so good. You know, th- that combination of Fincher and a pitch perfect script yeah. from Gillian Flynn. I, you can't beat it. It's great. And it's interesting because like. Nick, in some ways, is, like, entranced by her, you mm-hmm. know? Like, when I was reading the book, he talks about how his mind was so consumed by her when she was missing that she, like, took over his being almost. And he was, like, always thinking about her. Even though he hated her, he, like, also, like, admired her. Because yeah. she was, like, she did set his mind up to a new level because she is so conniving and crazy that he has to be on his game all the time to just like be able to think the way she does yeah. and how she does challenge him and she does kind of make him a better or just a more uh, sharp version yeah. of himself. Yeah. And that when you're living with a potential murderer, yeah, you gotta be on your toes, you all, the on time. Your toes all the time, <laughs> but I'm not burn those pancakes, man. <laughs> <laughs> but basically that he, he realizes he couldn't be with anyone else. Like she's consumed him. They've like been through this together. Yeah. And now they're almost fused because of that. Like they're bound to each other through this experience. And she's like, when you said that stuff on TV, you know, I knew I wanted to come back to you. And he was like, that was all bullshit. Like I just said what you wanted to hear. And she's like, exactly. Like, you know me, you knew exactly what I wanted to hear. You know me in your marrow. You know me so deep. And that's the person I want you to be all the time. And in the book, she wrote him all these like cute love notes um, during the treasure hunt and it sort of made him feel like even worse about cheating on her <laughs> when he's like trying to like find the clues but she was like when I wrote you those notes like how long did it take for you to fall in love with me again you were like already in love with me I was telling you what you wanted to hear just like you were telling me what I wanted to hear and if we keep doing that we'll be so in love and we'll be so happy and you're like that kind of makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's this twisted kind of take on the way relationships are in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I, yeah, just the way she owns it and is so brutally honest about it. It's twisted, but it's very true in a lot of ways. And I love that. It is. It leaves you with a weird feeling after reading it. You're like, (laughs) Ooh. <laughs> uh, we, we also get a great scene in the movie where uh, Nick is telling Margot about yeah. the pregnancy mm-hmm. and how, you know, he can't leave her. And, and Margot is just sitting on the floor just in tears. Yeah. And she, she's like, you want to be with her. Like, you know, you're choosing this. You, you love her still. You want her. 
and he's kind of denying it but pretty but you know. pathetically and he tells her he's like i need you to be with me on this i need you on my side and she gives the most heartbreaking line she was yeah. like of course i'm still with you I, we've been together since before we were born yeah it's <laughs> so sad it is cause yeah because you know that their relationship will be changed forever i know and nick and go's relationship in this story is so great yeah and i feel like you don't see many brother sister relationships in yeah. movies that are this strong yeah that are this strong and like kind of real yeah they can just like joke with each other they know each other they have their shared history with their parents and you know, he can talk to her about Amy and stuff. And she knows that Amy framed him. She knows that Amy is crazy. She knows that Amy killed this dude just for the sake of it, you know? And yeah. she can't stand the idea of Nick and Amy being together. It's mm-hmm. really sad. It is. It's super sad. And, you know, further, furthers this kind of <laughs> a bit of a downer ending. Yeah. <laughs> but it's Fincher. I wouldn't have it any other way. It's so good. He's so good. Yeah. And that's... That's how we close out this story. That is. Although there's a great line in the book at the end where it's Amy's perspective before the story ends. And she says something to him like, because he's really nice to her now. (laughs) (laughs) It's like eight months later and the baby's about to be born. And she's like, Nick is the perfect husband now. And she says something like, oh, why are you so good to me? And Nick's like, because I feel sorry for you. She's like, why? And he says, because you have to wake up every morning and be you. (laughs) Ooh. I'm like, oh, it's cold. Yeah. But I mean, absolutely justified. Yeah, because she's crazy yeah. and she's like so intense and she can't relax and she's just her mind is fucking shitstorm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, what a time. Man. So happy Valentine's Day, guys. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> Love is dead. <laughs> love is dead. Long with love. Uh, so the question, the only question that matters, is is one better than the other? So I think I do prefer the movie. Wow. Yeah. Um, I like reading the book, but the film is so enjoyable in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, the cinematography, the lighting, you know, the Fincher lighting. Everything yeah. is like dark. <laughs> his his flashlights. I noticed this for the first time, but David Fincher loves flashlights in dark places. Yeah. He uses them all the time and it's so cinematic and I love it. Plus like the soundtrack, the score, it's so good. Um, so it makes you so invested in what's happening in the story it really really makes a difference and like the performances are so good and the dialogue is amazing i think it just cuts out a lot of the book stuff that wasn't super important i Mm -hmm. think the script did a really great job of kind of like streamlining the information like you find out things in interesting ways that didn't quite happen the same in the book but it's like the same information you're getting it you're just getting it in like a more streamlined format yeah uh, I, I wouldn't change a thing about this movie. There's no slump, you no. know, in pacing. There's no point where I'm like, eh, this isn't my favorite part. I like all of it. It's all interesting. It's all good. All the performances are great. It's so well done. Everything about this movie is great. I love it There's so much. There's a cat in it. There's a cat. Oh, yeah. Nick and Amy have a cat. It's so sweet. It's in a lot of the uh, scenes. I know. I'm always like, where's the cat in this shot? <laughs> <laughs> I need to know where the cat is and that he's happy. No matter what happens to anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I can't say for certain because... Um, 
the spate the span of time between when I first read the book and then saw the movie and then you know I haven't read the book again completely since but I the movie just has such a lasting impression on me yeah and, you know it was funny we have HBO and it was on HBO for a while mm-hmm. and literally anytime it was on I sat there and watched it and if I had time to I'd watch the whole thing because it's so good <laughs> it just each time it just is just as entertaining and interesting to watch over mm-hmm. and over yeah and honestly though even though I prefer the movie it's still a win for Gillian Flynn because she wrote the adaptation yeah you know, she wrote the <laughs> script so She's just really good. Um, the way she wrote the screenplay, the, the dialogue, a lot of which is pulled straight from the book. Um, it's really good. I would honestly love to see her do more uh, scripts or well, screenplays. Well, you're in luck. Really? Because she uh, is working on a screenplay. I don't know if it's just her or if she's working with someone, but it's for a movie coming up called Widows. Oh. Which I guess is a remake, apparently, from another movie, but it's about the wives of these four men who tried to commit a robbery, like a bank robbery and were killed in the Mm. act. Mm -hmm. And these four women are going to pull off their plan. The one that they were killed doing. Wow. And like, there was a bunch of, uh, really, I want to say, uh, I can't, I'm not, I won't say any actresses names cause I'll probably get them wrong. Okay. Um, but there, I just remember reading some big actresses who were tied to this wow. movie. So I'm really excited oh, cool. to see another script that she's worked yeah, on. Yeah. I was going to say it was really good. And you know, she's written some other books that I liked, but they weren't my favorite. I definitely preferred Gone Girl to her other two. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see her do another script. Has she written another book since Gone Girl? Um, a short story or novella I think oh okay yeah mm-hmm. mm. nothing super big but yeah I, she she's really good so yes I prefer the movie but also she did a good job <laughs> yeah and I believe uh HBO's producing an adaptation of is it Sharp Objects yes mm-hmm. with uh Amy Adams oh yeah which will be coming out mm-hmm. so if you like this episode maybe Who let knows? us know we can do Sharp Objects yeah which might be interesting because mm-hmm. we got a we got to think of what what's going to be big. What's hip? What's hip? What are the kids like? <laughs> what's going to be big next awards season? Because we really we really nailed it this year. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It's the movie. It's the movie. Although both are good. Yeah. I mean, you can't go wrong either yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Lightning round? Lightning round. So there's this great part in the book where... Um, Amy is watching the Ellen Abbott special news coverage of Amy's disappearance and Nick uh, framing Nick's story. <laughs> so she's watching the, the news story. And the commercials in between are all about cleaning products and like tampons and maxi pads, like all of them. Because hmm. like women are the kind of targeted demographic for this female led uh, show. Yeah. And so she makes this comment about like, Cleaning and bleeding. Clean and bleed. Like, that's all women do. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, that's what these advertisements are kind of targeting to women. Yeah. And then there's this great line in the movie where Amy is talking about how when she was, like, bleeding herself and putting the blood on the on the kitchen to set the crime scene, she was like, clean and bleed. Bleed and clean. And it's, it's oh, from the book. Nice. And, G- like, Gillian did that on purpose, probably because she <laughs> liked that line and that bit so much. Yeah. But she just repurposed it for the movie. That's really smart. That's yeah. really cool. It was really I, cool. I, I liked catching that. That's a good 
connection for people who know the book. Mm-hmm. I like that. It's rewarding. Yeah. Uh, so interesting fact is that Reese Witherspoon, apparently uh, her production company bought the rights for this movie. Really? Because she wanted to uh, star in it as Amy. Oh, wow. And then when she talked to David Fincher about his vision for it and everything, she kind of realized she wasn't the right person for this role. Mm-hmm. And so decided to take a step back and just be a producer on the film. So she is a producer. Oh, wow. That's cool. Um, but I'm still, I'd be, as much as I love um, uh, Rosamund Pike, Pike uh, I would still love to see an alternate reality version where Reese Witherspoon was Amy. Yeah, I would like to see that. Although I feel like Reese Witherspoon almost is too likable. Well, that's what I like is yeah. that she has this kind of public persona, like in, in real life, of being kind of this charming kind of countryish yeah. girl. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to see her play against type. Yeah. For this movie, to be a cold bitch. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I love that when I read or I see an actor or actress playing a role that I'm like, what? I can't even picture them doing that. And then it's always so good. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I like that uh, little factoid. That would have been an interesting alternate version. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's this great scene in the movie, and this is one of the diary flashbacks, where Nick and Amy are on their treasure hunt, and <laughs> Nick is finding clues, and one of the clues leads him to a bookstore, and one of Amy's favorite books, blah, 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 whatever. Um, <laughs> and... They, they're being all sexy with each other, and they're like, we're so in love. This is such a great treasure hunt that just proves our love for each other. And they're being all sexy, and then they're like, let's have sex. And then they just have sex in a bookstore. Like, they just have sex in like, this back room. They're just, it's not even a room. It's just like around a corner in yeah, a nook. on a table. And I'm like... This is not realistic. Have you ever been in a bookstore? You're like, Amy, this diary entry is not realistic. Like, how could you do this? And then she was like, even making noise. And I'm like, God damn it. No, and, and especially even when you see it in the movie, it's like even more unbelievable. You're, no, there's yeah, no like, way. No, it's you just, can't do that. It's a quiet ass bookstore. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, okay, so this is another alternate casting mm. fact. And... I think a lot of these alternate casting IMDb facts are kind of not bullshit, but it's like, oh, this person was considered for the role at one point. Yeah. And it's like, well, what qualifies being considered? Yeah. Like that their name was thrown out or were mm-hmm. they actually approached and is never explained. So I never take this with much. Um, I, I take it with a grain of salt and don't care too much. But I had to mention this one because I loved it so much. Apparently, and this is probably before Fincher is even attached to the role. One of the names they said when they were like talking about Nick Dunn was Seth Rogen. Oh, what? I know. Can you like what version of the story? But oh my god, I love this because I just started thinking about the movie <laughs> with Seth Rogen. I'm just picturing Seth Rogen's like stupid face, like in all of the scenes and being like, "Hey guys, what's up?" <laughs> like, There's so many scenes I would love to see the Seth because like we've seen so many movies with Seth Rogen and like. I can think of scenes that play out similar to, like, a scene in this. Like, yeah. Can you imagine when he, like, finds, like, all the shit in the shed and him just freaking out? Like, yeah. he's, like, on a, like, he's high and he's just, like, yeah. and, like, running away. <laughs> or when they're in the shower and yeah. she's saying how she's not going to leave. It's, like, the scene in 50-50 where he's, yeah. like, this is so weird. Yeah. Just get out. Like, <laughs> you're so awkward. <laughs> I 
just started thinking of every scene with oh Seth God. Rogen, and I just love it. Someone and should just Photoshop Seth Rogen's <laughs> face over Nick's face. I know. I want some like intercut scenes with Seth Rogen. That oh would God. make my day. <laughs> that would be a terrible casting choice. <laughs> but I love. I just. I love thinking about it. So that's why I wanted to bring it up is just that idea oh of the Seth Rogen version of Gone Girl. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that wraps up the episode. Yeah. Uh, if you liked the episode, uh, let us know on Twitter. We are at cover two credits. That's the number two. Or email us at cover to credits pod at gmail.com uh, or send us recommendations for future episodes mm-hmm. or just say hi we like hi mail yeah we're on a <laughs> patreon now so if you'd like to support our podcast head on over cover uh, yeah. to credits we will be um posting additional uh videos or articles or information we find relating to each book or movie mm-hmm. you know like the week after we post it so if you like additional content become a patron for only a buck and you'll get that yeah. and lots of other good stuff i think mm-hmm. and we have our uh, special after credits episodes that'll be coming out um, as well. Yes, every so, month. Lots of fun stuff for patrons. Um, yeah, so it's exciting. Also, if you feel like it, leave us an iTunes review. We yep. appreciate uh, any of that stuff as just, well. Just a star rating, you know, just a click of the stars is, <laughs> is huge for us. It yeah. really helps boost our ratings. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and happy Valentine's Day. I hope happy. that. You feel love in your life and you know that despite the personas that we do put on, I do believe in love still. (laughs) Ian (laughs) and I are still together after doing this episode. We are. But always just remember and be aware and just be on edge of being gone girled. Yeah. You 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 could be gone girled at any moment. You you won't see it coming. That's for sure, if it happens. So just keep that in the back of your mind at all times. (laughs) So yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you. We'll see you next episode. All right, bye. Bye.